Hi, and welcome to Listen Up A-Holes, the only Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that, with the possible exception of my mother, is the most intimidating woman I've ever met. I'm Joshua Unruh, superhero scholar from Pulp Diction Productions. And I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. Together, we are working our way through the good, the bad, and the robot apocalypse of the MCU. So listen up, a-holes. We're going to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4, Episodes 9 through 15, The LMD Arc. <laughs> it is stupid how much I enjoy this. The... <laughs> Recording things with Just the me, whole or? thing. Like, no, recording things okay. with you, talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season four, which is like my favorite thing. And then like waiting for the four color facts on stuff that I actually like know about. Like I've watched oh, this yeah. enough that I like know that. So I'm excited about all this stuff that's going to make sense to me, or at least I think some of it will. But yeah, stupid excited. Lonnie, it's better than you even think, because the first four mm-hmm. color fact that I want to deal with touches on one of your favorite characters in the MCU. Yay! Because there are at least two Captain America knockoffs that we need to discuss. (laughs) Now, for our listeners at home, I do want to say I've kind of decided, at least for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. going forward, maybe for some of the other TV shows, we'll see how it goes. But I've decided that doing a big enumeration of every name I recognize isn't necessarily the most exciting way to do four color facts, especially in a show like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where, you know, they just keep mm-hmm. on doing stuff. Not to mm-hmm. mention that that also leaves me open to messing things up, like forgetting that Hellfire is an actual guy from that giant Secret Wars tome I keep talking about <laughs> and is not just someone biting Ghost Rider's fiery chain stees. <laughs> but there are still two names i recognized that i'm gonna talk about if only because it's doing a thing but i can't quite figure out what they're doing with second-rate captains america Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna throw these out to you you tell me if anything occurs to you as to why they might be doing this thing and it may be spoilery you may be like i know why because i've seen the end but you know all right (laughs) so the first one is jeffrey mace was the Uh third Captain America. Director Mace (gasps) is Uh based upon the character who was the third guy to wear the outfit while Steve was in the ice. Okay. So the Jeffrey Mace of the 616 starts out as a reporter for the Daily Bugle, but he sees Captain America in action back in the 40s and decided he should become a superhero too. It's like Hawkeye, but less stupid, because Hawkeye (laughs) saw Iron Man, a guy who carries around a tank on his back, and said, I think these bow and arrows are going to get the job done. (laughs) Whereas Jeff Mace just saw a guy with a shield and was like, maybe I can pull some shit off. Let's find out. (laughs) And so he operated as the Patriot and fought Nazi saboteurs and supervillains, sometimes with a sidekick, Mary Morgan, a.k.a. Miss Patriot. Mm-hmm. They helped found the Liberty Legion, who billed themselves as America's home front heroes. They mostly fought saboteurs, fifth columnists, and other wartime threats on the home front. Mm-hmm. Mace continued to act as the Patriot to the point that he, along with the All Winner Squad, prevented the assassination of Senator John Fitzgerald Kennedy in 1946. Uh huh. This rescue resulted in the death of the second Captain America, William Nasland, so Mace was recruited to be the third Captain America until his retirement in 1949. 
However, he had no superpowers and was just a physically fit man with martial arts training, but he did at least have an enhanced titanium shield. Oh, that ain't nothing. It's not nothing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and just so, you know, this is a little bit of a retcon from the 616, but uh, they mm-hmm. there were stories told about Steve Rogers as Captain America after he was supposed to have gone into the ice, but not many. And so when mm-hmm. they decided to integrate him into the actual Marvel Universe, the burgeoning Marvel mm-hmm. Universe, because remember, he existed in the timely days. Yep. They retconned those appearances to be other guys. And then, of course, because it's superhero comics and nobody can leave anything the fuck alone, they went <laughs> ahead and made them into multiple guys and all kinds of other stuff. But it is kind of nice because it lets, I think, I think it's Nasland. It lets him be the really shitty Cap from the 50s mm-hmm. because Cap was really a shit heel in the 50s. So now it's mm-hmm. that other guy and not Steve, and it's great. The other sort of two levels of Captain America knockoff would be Anton Ivanov, Mm -hmm. sometimes in this episode known as the Superior for reasons that are inexplicable to me. (laughs) He is based on a character who was only called Anton, who was the sixth Red Guardian. Now, the Red Mm -hmm. Guardian costumed identity is a Russian counterpart to Captain America, complete with Russian-themed outfit and shield. Mm-hmm. Anton also claimed to be an engineer and one of the original pilots of a Crimson Dynamo armor. You may recall mm-hmm. the Crimson Dynamo as one of the Cold War foes of Iron Man. Well, mm-hmm. you know, the Soviets owned their Crimson Dynamo armor, so they mass-produced them and had fleets mm-hmm. and squadrons of them instead of Tony Stark, who was like, hell no, America. This armor's mine. (laughs) Now, the Anton of the 616 did have some portions of himself replaced with LMD parts in order to have superpowers. Like he basically Mm -hmm. used LMD parts to have cybernetic enhancement that still looked human because that's the LMD's Mm -hmm. big deal. They look human, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Now, in a nod to the 616 from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the 616 Anton was decapitated in battle against an alien race that was introduced into the 616 back when Marvel had the license for a toy called Rom Space Knight. His head was kept in storage and apparently alive, what the fuck, by the most recent Crimson Dynamo who needed him for something. Again, I have no idea what two knockoff Captains America have to do with anything, but I did feel like it was worth bringing up because maybe you would mm-hmm. put your finger on it. I don't know. What do you think? Um, Coincidence? No. I th- maybe. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, cause, okay. Because there's something that gets referenced later in the season uh-huh. that has to do with Anton that I'm very excited for you to discover. Oh. But now reading this, I'm not sure if they they had to do it. And I don't I don't I don't know. Once we're done with the season, maybe we'll we come can revisit back to this and see if there's a reason. Yeah. After Agents of Hydra. After Agents of Hydra, we'll have that discussion. <laughs> Fair enough. Now yes. let's move on to something more in line with actual life model decoys, okay? Mm-hmm. So one of the running themes, or some might say gags, depends on how you <laughs> feel about this pod of story. Mm-hmm. One of the running themes or gags of this part is that anyone could be an LMD, right? Mm-hmm. And this results in some three-card money of identity switching towards the end. 
which yes. reminded me of a few interesting examples from the 616. You know, like the one time I've mentioned already when an LMD Nick Fury was so convinced that he was the real deal that when the real Fury came back, the LMD thought mm -hmm. the real Fury was the LMD and ran <laughs> off and took control of the Zodiac cartel so that he could do battle with the real Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. Wow. Remember I mentioned that? No, you don't, because yeah. we've done 65 of these episodes. <laughs> But that no, was a thing. I do have a vague memory of that. <laughs> I do have a vague memory. Yeah. yeah. But friends, let me tell you, there is an even greater example of this kind of chicanery that technically doesn't involve LMDs. But at the mm -hmm. same time, what are Doombots, if not extremely specific life model decoys for everybody's favorite glam supervillain, Dr. Doom? <laughs> right. Now, bear with me a moment, but I've mentioned uh -huh. before that once upon a time, Chris Claremont took over the writing chores on X-Men and reinvigorated the franchise for literal decades to come. His mm -hmm. first partner on art chores was the inimitable Dave Cockrum, but eventually mm -hmm. all good things must come to an end, and John Byrne took over on art and as sometimes co-plotter alongside Claremont. However, both Claremont and Byrne are very big personalities, some might say egos, and they didn't mm -hmm. always get along. They often disagreed about the direction of plots and development of specific characters. And this would eventually lead to a falling out, Byrne leaving the X-Men, and some really great petty bullshit that I'm about to tell you about. <laughs> In one particular issue of X-Men, written by Claremont, still drawn by Cockrum, Dr. Doom teamed up with Assassin for Hire Arcade in order to test mm -hmm. the X-Men's abilities. In one conversation, Arcade struck a match on Doom's armor in order to light a cigar. And much to the surprise of everyone reading the book, including one man who would draw it in the future, Doom didn't turn Arcade into a pile of ashes or a puddle of mm -hmm. gore. This angry reader who would one day draw the book was John Byrne. And he mm -hmm. would also one day write and draw the Fantastic Four after having his falling out with Claremont and leaving the X-Men. In Fantastic mm -hmm. Four, Byrne wrote an entire full-page sequence of Doom inspecting his Doombots. Finding one with a scratch on its shoulder, he asked that Doombot what happened, why it was damaged. When the bot explained that Arcade had struck a match on it, Doom asked the bot in what manner it had dispatched Arcade. <laughs> the bot said that it calculated that Doom might need Arcade one day and therefore didn't terminate the assassin. To which Doom mm -hmm. responds, need, and then slowly disintegrates the Doom bot over several panels until it is mere <laughs> junk. After this spectacle, Doom intones, Doom needs no one. Oh, wow. Byrne thought that was some bullshit usage of Dr. <laughs> Doom. And to be honest, as much as I love the Claremont run on X-Men, it is. Arcade should yeah. have been a dead mm -hmm. man. What? Nobody. <laughs> come on. Doom is a guy who literally says, I will no longer brook this insolence and none judge Doom. I mean, this is a guy who is not going <laughs> to let you strike a match on his armor and walk away. Right. Yes. But wait, there's more. <laughs> You may recall Walt Simonson. This is a man I've mentioned before, at least mm -hmm. in terms of creating terrifying horse monsters who can take <laughs> Thor's hammer away from him. Yes. Mm -hmm. Walt Simonson also wrote Fantastic Four for a while, and he took that Doombot retcon and he ran with it. Yeah. Way back in Fantastic Four number 40 in 1965, Doctor Doom attacked a powerless Fantastic Four in a story that would become known as the Battle of the Baxter Building. 
Okay. <laughs> Reed Richards eventually, through the course of this battle, repowered mm-hmm. himself and Johnny and Sue. But Ben, the one-time thing, was happy to be without his powers because he was human for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. But Reed decided he needed the thing's strength to defeat Doom, so he repowered Ben anyway. Oh, that's mean. Oh, yeah. you, you it's, it's a real shit move. You are correct about that. <laughs> and it threw Ben into a fury. And he just mm-hmm. went through all of Doom's plans like a hot knife through butter <laughs> and then proceeded to wreck Doom's personal shit. Oh. And then he quit the FF because, of course, he did. Reads a dick. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. flash forward to Fantastic Four number 350 in 1991. Walt Simonson mm-hmm. is writing this one. That one back in the day was still back in the Stan Lee era, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 1991, Walt Simonson is in charge. He writes a story where Doom is attacking Castle Doom in order to retake it from a character named Kristoff, who we know isn't the real Doom, but who has been programmed mm-hmm. to think that he is by the real Doctor Doom. That's a Mm -hmm. lot of dooms. Are you with me so far? It's a lot of dooms. Yeah, Yeah. no, I'm here. I'm here. So much doom. Okay, just as (laughs) the doom outside of the castle is about to take the castle from Kristoff, another doom appears in very different armor. He blasts the attacking doom to pieces, showing that it's a doom bot, proceeds Mm -hmm. into the castle where he turns off Kristoff's programming so that now Mm Kristoff remembers he's not Dr. Doom. Yes. Later on in this story, when facing the thing, Dr. Doom says he has not squared off against Ben since the Battle of the Baxter Building. Mm -hmm. Every other time the thing has faced off against Doom, it's apparently been a Doom bot. Oh, my God. And while Doom makes it clear that some of his appearances in the intervening years were, in fact, the true Doom, most of them were Doom bots. That is 26 years of appearances across the entire Marvel publishing line. And Doom was just on an island somewhere enjoying himself during all of these fights. So, no, Doom does not vacation. <laughs> he had a personal mission that took him very far away. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not honestly sure if it's ever made clear what that mission was. I think Simonson was just planting seeds so he could come back to it when he wanted oh to. Oh, my God. But yeah, 26 years of appearances are basically Doom-specific LMDs. Oh, man. Now, yes. Now I really enjoy Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm in, uh, yeah, I, we'll, we'll talk about the nuances of LMD, but right. largely I'm enjoying it. Good. At the same time, I feel like this demonstrates that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. can't even see the number of levels they'd have to get on in order to get on that level. <laughs> Of LMD chicanery. Yeah, no, I thought that the LMDs that they had in this pod of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were a bit much after a while. (laughs) Um, But apparently that is not even close to... uh... (laughs) Here's the thing. I think that 26 years of possible Doom bots is great. Mm -hmm. And yet I also agree with you 100% about there's too damn many LMDs and their attentive bullshit. It's a bit much. I mean, I do. I do. Actually, I really like the opportunity that the LMDs give you to talk about identity, which is, of course, what I love in superhero stories and in all these movies we've been watching, all these TV shows that we always have this chance to talk about identity, especially because we do have these like named characters. Right. You know, so you've got Mace as the Patriot. Right. 
Yes. Which is another sense of, you know, of identity. Whenever anybody takes on like, uh, you know, we've got uh, Daisy as Quake. Right. You know that she is being called Quake. Um, I really enjoyed And she Patton. doesn't love it, which is fun. <laughs> right. I really enjoyed the scene with Pat Oswalt in that um, that episode where uh, where he's talking about how they have the fan fiction for Daisy and uh, and Black Widow and they call them <laughs> Quack. And that she probably doesn't want to go on the internet and look it up. Um, I thought that was absolutely lovely and beautifully done. Um, but again, yeah, it is. There's a lot of identity stuff going on here. And here we have the thing that I think I found most interesting in all of these presentations was the LMD of May, right? Yes. Because LMD May has all of May's memories, all of her experiences, um, and yet, you know, is metal as she finds out when she takes an injury to the back right yeah. and discovers she has metal bones which is freaky as hell um but she does not know that she is an lmd so we have all of these lmds some of which know that they're lmds and some of which don't and so you wonder what makes that character real like what they remember like you have the the what you were talking about with the uh fury lmd right yes the one so convinced that he's fury that he leaves in order to go to war against against the real fury that he thinks is fake? Yeah. Max. Yeah. He decided his name was Max. <laughs> so that's Max He's Fury. Maximum Fury. Mm -hmm. He's Maximum I Fury. I mean, I yes. didn't want to say it, but clearly that's the facts. Oh, yeah. Clearly that's what it is. Yes, that's what it is. So the thing that I find interesting there is this idea of identity. And the LMD, the, the May story, the LMD May, I think is the most affecting of all the LMD Absolutely. stories. Absolutely, you know? yes. Um, because she doesn't know and then she finds out and then she's, you know, of course, like wigged out by the whole thing, you know, realizes that that the real her is, you know, being held somewhere. But she's on this and then she tries to hurt Radcliffe and she can't. Mm -hmm. Then she steals that they find she kisses Phil. We'll get to the Colson and May thing in a little bit. I don't want to deal with that just yet. But they, they, she kisses Phil after all of these years of apparently pining away for him, uh, which has been somewhat retconned, I think. Um, but she gets that. Then she steals the Darkhold and gets left on the ground, <laughs> you yeah. know, just left to die. Right. Um, the whole thing is um, is really like it's it's I think one of. May's most emotionally affecting arcs, which is interesting considering that it is the LMD May that is May's most emotional sure, <laughs> part. Sure, yeah. I mean, I guess, aside from the killing of Andrew, like last year, the loss of Andrew. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I felt this LMD stuff way more than I felt Much May taking out Andrew. than the Andrew stuff. 100%. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's really, um, it's hard. And then when you think about like what in any of us makes us what we are, it's our memories and our experiences that have built us up to this day. But I mean, the reality of it is that you know that this moment is happening. Yes. But anything that's happened previous to that is just memory. Like that's all the evidence there is of it is just memory. So that's what LMD may has too. Yes. So how do you say who's real and who's not that's a real experience right and i think that that's a really interesting question and this is the kind of thing that sci-fi does so beautifully is ask those really wonderful what if questions like what is it that defines a person's identity you know is it just the the sum of their memories and experiences because if that's the case lmd may is just as much may as you know human 
parts yeah, may. Yes. You know? I mean, I think it's more than that, but also not mm-hmm. much more than that. Like, that's that's the trick. And let me right. say, there's a bunch of stuff wrapped up just in your recap that we are so going to get to. But you are 100% <laughs> right that May LMD is the only interesting LMD. And the reason mm-hmm. for that is, is because she's actually conflicted about it. And it is really interesting. And I think clearly we can say that she is not the real May, right? Because there still right. is one. But at the same time, right. she's a person, right? Like she is she, she is a person who is May. May until yeah. the point that she starts having until the experiences point that separated. separate from. Yeah. Right. But I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, she's, yeah. so she, we can't say she's May, but we can say she is a person who is remarkably similar. Although again, you know, that's going to drift now as, as, they continue to right. have life experiences, but yeah, it's well, yeah. super interesting. I mean, it's this is but why she's I, also programmed, you know. I mean, which yes. I think is kind of an interesting thing too. She can't hurt Radcliffe, so she doesn't have the free will that May has. She can't hurt Radcliffe. She can't, you know. She has to steal the Darkhold, even though in that moment she doesn't really want to. Mm-hmm. She's just programmed to, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I mean, there's also an interesting discussion with you know everybody's programmed to a certain degree right i mean we have a little bit of that argument in this part of the pod which i think is really interesting like it's such there's so many interesting things that are going on here that sci-fi was built to do i mean this is what these are the questions that sci-fi was made to to like really address and i think that we raise the question i don't think that we really address or answer the question we have this moment with radcliffe with the faux Radcliffe, right? Where he says, if a soul doesn't come from your flesh and blood or my ones or zeros, Mm -hmm. then it has to come from somewhere else, somewhere unrelated to our physical bodies, which is such an interesting question. And this idea of the consciousness that's being uploaded into the framework and like all of that stuff, you know, really, really interesting, classic sci-fi. Who is, how real is an LMD? If her experience and her memories are all maze, then how much is she may, you know? Um, Those are all really interesting questions we raise them i don't think they do much with it though they don't like really investigate those questions it's kind of just sort of there as as part of the the season part of the pod but not really uh, something they dive into with deep thematic resonance you know yeah i think this is the place where i need to lay the groundwork for my overall Mm -hmm. uh opinion of lmd which is Mm -hmm. that it's fine (laughs) like and i think that the reason that it's just fine is because they do bring up all of these really interesting science fictiony things that they could do and then they do damn near none of them and And instead they do a bunch Mm -hmm. of fuckery which is fun don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun we have a lot of fun with our fuckery until the end and then i got annoyed and bored (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. We'll get to it. But I mean, yes, mm-hmm. I think that's a real problem, honestly, with this pod, which, again, I had fun with. But I kept sitting there going, mm-hmm. why aren't we doing any of the interesting shit with this pod? Yeah. And instead, there's yeah. just a lot of like running around and three card moneying mm-hmm. with the uh, with the dark hold. And it's not until yeah. the very end that they actually start doing the stuff that they real talk should have been doing the entire pod, even if well, our main yeah. characters didn't know we should mm-hmm. have been having those kinds of thoughts and conversations. And exactly. It wasn't happening. And that's too bad. I think. No. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of nonsense going on. Okay, so then we introduce, we have this whole episode with the Koenigs, right? You know, with the, the three boys that are left, Sam, Billy, and Thurston, I think was the other one. Um, and you are LT doing Koenig, so much better sister. with that than I did. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it a lot. Okay, fair I've seen it a lot. Um, and I'm still not sure if I'm remembering all of them right. I think Eric was the one that Ward killed uh, back in the day. But anyway, so we've got these, you know, we've got Patton Oswalt's running around all over the place, right? We've seen that happen before. We had the original Koenig replaced with the second Koenig. And we were like, what is that? Then in this episode, it seems like they're like, okay, so we're doing this thing with LMDs. We're bringing in something that we had kind of insinuated was an LMD before. Turns out they're just brothers. Right. They're just quadruplets. Apparently, apparently they're just quadruplets who on top of being agents of all trades also are roboticists and engineers and programmers because they worked on the LMD project. What the fuck is this episode about, Lonnie? Right. <laughs> uh, you know what? And what's what's crazy is I love that episode, but I completely agree with you with like what the hell? Because I love Patton Oswalt. Sure. Patton Oswalt delights me in all circumstances. Um, but yeah, like I that whole thing. Here we are. Thematically, we're talking about LMDs. We're talking about clones. I mean, we're talking about all of this. We get this moment where uh, LT says, you know, there was enough DNA to clone. Yeah. First of all, gross. And, and secondly, stop fucking with us. And second of all, yeah, if you're not going to do that, and especially because it seemed like that was already what they were doing when we weren't doing LMDs, uh, you know, the Koenigs seemed like LMDs of some sort. You know, they seem like clones of some sort. And yet... No, no, nope. you know, they're not doing anything interesting with it. And then they've got LT as the original, you know, Koenig. And it ends up being this older sister um, who I quite enjoyed. Like, I just I enjoyed the whole thing with all the Koenigs. I thought it was really, really fun. I have some mixed feelings about LT. Yes. I'm just mm-hmm. going to be. I mean, look, clearly I have. That's completely misgivings fine. about the entire episodes, like purpose <laughs> and point as fun as it, as it sure. is. But I also have some issues sure. with LT. I'm just going to lay this out mm-hmm. there. I don't know how I feel about it. I knew that LT was a sister from the minute that they used the initials LT instead of an actual name. I was like, you motherfuckers mm-hmm. aren't clever. They have a sister. Ha ha ha. <laughs> but then... On top of all that, she's like stereotypically toxic masculine. She is. She really is. I mean, it's fine. It's funny, I guess. But I just the Mm -hmm. whole thing, I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, you want me to laugh at the fact that their older sister is more of a bro than them and beat Mm -hmm. them up and made fun of them and shit. And I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. that's called bullying. And she's an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so now I'm annoyed by this quadruplet bullshit right. and I'm like mm-hmm. lightly offended at the existence of LT. And I'm just like, I don't know how. I, are we done with Koenigs? We're not, are we? They're just going to keep coming yeah. back. Yeah. I Well, do you want me? I'm not going to spoil uh, that for They're going to keep coming back. I knew it already. Listen, I've already watched ahead. I don't know about Koenigs for sure, but I know fucking Ward is back. So nobody. <laughs> so I'm, I'm never going to get a minute of rest. I'm never going to get a minute of rest. <laughs> well, without spoiling whether or not the Koenigs return, um, I, you know, I did really enjoy a lot of this episode. I loved the, you know, passing back and forth yes. of the um, of the Darkhold and using all of these, you know, 
not clone. I do not understand why you have an episode with cloned kids or cloned men in it. And they're not clones. They're not LMDs. They're nothing. They're just, you know, quadruplets or whatever. That drives me crazy because here you have another opportunity to explore this idea. And then you don't you deliberately do not explore it that makes me nuts um but i did like the the moving it back and forth you know here they have kidnapped you know the one koenig thinking that he was the one who knew where it was but he actually wasn't the one who knew where it was um so that was kind of fun and i enjoyed that um i do enjoy lt i mean i agree absolutely 100 percent with everything that you brought up i think you're absolutely right but there was just something about that actress and the way that she delivered her lines that i kind of enjoyed. oh no so, you have um, to do yeah. that thing. They did it perfectly. Right. I sort of just yes. question the wisdom and efficacy no. of doing the thing. 100% agree. 100% agree. Yes. No, I absolutely agree. I just enjoyed it more than you did. Um, so all of this, we've got all of these LMDs. Then we've got the, um, you know, we completely miss our opportunity to have an interesting conversation about them with regard to the Koenigs. Um, we move forward. We have Colson, Mack, and Mace coming back. We find out that they are LMDs. Then we have this harrowing experience with Fitz and Simmons where they don't know which one of them is the LMD, but they know one of them is an LMD. Yeah, okay. That's also really good. Right? Yeah. That shit I is amazing. That. Oh my God, no. That that part I absolutely loved. Um, when Gemma, I mean, Gemma is pretty freaking badass. Yep. You know, yeah. she figures out that it's Fitz. Um, she crashes down the machine on him. She leaves him. She stabs him and slices his little metallic throat. Ooh. I mean, how freaking horrifying is that whole thing? You know, I mean, it really is. And then when she runs off and she finds Daisy, this is honestly like the one of the most compelling relationships in this entire Absolutely. show is Simmons and Daisy. I love that moment when Daisy quakes her in a hug and they both just disintegrate into each other because they're so freaking terrified yes. of everything and the people that they love have been replaced. And um, it's it's so wonderful. That moment when Daisy walks into a room full of her. Ooh, yeah. That's that good I mean, shit. Damn. Right. I know. Man, I mean, okay, so that's okay. That's yeah, the some shit good stuff. that they should have been yes. doing this entire pod instead of exactly. Pat Oswald notwithstanding fucking around. Yes. I mean, again, exactly. I had fun. I had fun. But once I got to the mm -hmm. end and I'm looking back and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to lay out this is my fly on the wall theory for the writer's room. Mm -hmm. I don't think they really yeah. gave a shit about LMD. I think that they really cared no. about Ghost Rider. I think they really care about Agents of Hydra. I think LMD was yes. just like superstructure to connect between. those two things. Yes. Because they yes. do some fun stuff. It's not like they all of a sudden mm -hmm. become talentless hacks. But it's also pretty clear right. that they did not think about the big picture and the themes and the stuff. Because the... I mean, it's yeah. not like you and I are super geniuses at this. Like, we're good mm -hmm. at it, but we're not super geniuses. Yeah. If we picked out what sh this arc should have been about, they could have if they thought about it. If they cared. Like, they just don't seem... I think that they were really interested in, in connecting. I mean, Act 2, right? You know, if you look at this season as three yeah, acts, yeah. right? Act 2 is always the connective tissue. Act 2 is always less interesting. I mean, for me as a writer, it has always been the least interesting part of any, you know, story that I'm going to tell. Um, but, you know, but also these are, like, essentially three mini-seasons mm -hmm, within mm -hmm. a season, which I freaking love. Yes, I thank love you. that. I think that that's great. I absolutely love that structure. I think it works great. Um, and But there's a lot of things 
things that they're bringing into Agents of Hydra that they're carrying over from the Ghost Rider arc yes. that we're kind of like bringing all of that together. So uh, this still is kind of a second act, kind of a middle space. And they just seemed like they really wanted to get from here to there. Um, but I love the Simmons stuff. Yes. I love her and Daisy. I love all of that. I thought that that was great. Um, I have a thing with Radcliffe as the mad scientist. Um, <laughs> In a like, good way. I love John Hanna. Sure. Well, I love I love John Hanna. John Hanna absolutely sells Radcliffe for me. But I don't think I've seen so many lazily written evil <laughs> monologues from one character. Evil expositional monologues from one character 100%. ever in such a short period of time. Like every single episode we'd have something where Radcliffe was just evilly explaining his plan to Ada oh who God. knows the fucking plan. Who knows plan. the fucking is, plan? Yes. Yes, exactly. It used to be called uh, As You Know Mary dialogue uh-huh. where you have two yeah. people and one of them and I'm just calling it As You Know Ada because Ada fucking knows everything and he's explain. this is my plan to do this thing and oh my god she almost had the dark hold and it was beautiful and it was so close and <laughs> you know I mean it drives me crazy because I love Radcliffe I love what Radcliffe is doing yes. I love the fact that he's betraying everybody that he wants to get the dark hold that there's answers there and science and everything but when they are so lazy at the end of every episode to give him three minutes of expository as you know Ada dialogue it's so painfully bad it drives me nuts because I, I love John Hanna and I'm so interested in Radcliffe as a character. I feel like there's a microcosm of everything I don't love about LMD in John Hanna yeah. where they're like oh. they're like okay we're just going to shit out this expository dialogue. Right. John Hanna is incredibly charismatic and can deliver this in a way that will keep people entertained while he's in front of yeah. them. And hopefully they won't think about how lazily we delivered all of this dialogue later. Oh. And it works yeah. to a certain extent. He is like that gold watch. And the guy's like, listen to my yes, voice. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I am going to listen to your voice. Tell me the plan. You know, but, yes. so it's not mm-hmm. like it's terrible, but it's just a little yeah uh, it's like a 75 percent solution you know like it just isn't eh, it's good enough yeah. let's go have margaritas you know kind of approach. I, well yeah well i guess with everything else that they're not really doing you know in this in this pod right like they're laying out all this stuff but they're not really doing yeah. anything that interesting with it and like colson isn't the director but he's really pretty much the director oh, we need like, to talk you know, about that yes go ahead i have some feelings what are your feelings, Joshua? I have issues with this mace fuckery, and here are my issues. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that you have a good and true man who tells a mm-hmm. lie in yeah. order to help people. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that very much, mm-hmm. especially when that guy turns out to be the only competent and ethical director mm-hmm. that S.H.I.E.L.D. has ever had, possibly since <laughs> Peggy. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, just looking mm-hmm. at their last two track record, good dude, yeah. makes good decisions, also has a strong moral compass. Well, we didn't have either of those two things with the last two guys. So, but yeah. then they have to go and give this backstory where instead of him being 
like a pretty, you know, upstanding heroic guy who, mm-hmm. you know, was in the wrong place at the right time and was able to save life. No, now all that turns out to be a lie also. And he's actually just a big coward who happened to have a good picture taken and Talbot, Talbot, who has never oh. met a public relations problem that he didn't think he could just nuke from orbit. <laughs> Talbot <laughs> decides to create this elaborate story around the guy. Like, I don't buy yeah. this on any level. I don't buy Talbot coming mm-hmm. up with that idea. I don't know why they had to make this otherwise, like, really good, upstanding dude who clearly wants mm-hmm. to do the right thing. They really just took that character out at the knees and it kind of pisses me off because I really like him Mm -hmm. and I keep liking him. He keeps being that guy, but now they've told me something about who he is when they've showed me Mm -hmm. that he's somebody else. And that also just seems really Mm -hmm. lazy and half-assed. And and again, I just really like this character. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. then this is supposed to make me not like him or to like him less, or it's supposed to justify that Phil's just going to take back over when it's like, Phil, you're still a bad idea. Like him telling a lie does not make you a better idea. This is, I don't like it. I don't like it. No. Well, also when he's like, you're going to do all of the shit that I hate, which is the political stuff and handling all of that. And then I'm going to be making all the decisions in the background and yeah Coulson Coulson is a problem like I I love Phil Coulson so much it's a click I honestly I am beginning to understand that if a if an actor is charismatic enough I will take almost all amounts of bullshit from that character I love Phil Coulson because I love Clark Gregg absolutely but Phil Coulson is a fucking problem. I mean, first of all, he has this whole speech that he gives to uh, to Anton, right? Where he's like, you're just another red shirt who tried unsuccessfully to stop me from saving the world, which is what I do. What? So cool origin story, bro. But this means nothing to me. I killed your entire team. And this means nothing to me. This guy who will uh, stop everything, right, to rescue somebody on his team has no empathy for an entire team that he killed and wiped out has no complicated moral feelings about destroying cool origin story bro are you this means nothing to me are you kidding me i mean that was so i was like this is arrogant as fuck it's got delusions of grandeur you you're stopping me from saving the world which is what i do no what you do is save your particular team of people (laughs) you don't give a fuck about the world colson that's not what you're doing so like he really is the story of of phil colson should be a redemption story for a director gone mad with power <laughs> yeah but we are not acknowledging any of that we the textually we are rubber stamping all of his bullshit and this which is supposed to be some kind of like super cool like swaggerific you know speech to this guy that he had destroyed you know um it it just makes him look like an asshole like even i think this is maybe some of the worst phil colson that i've seen and we've seen a lot of bad shit from colson the thing is i could read that scene as him purposefully trying to piss anton off to get a rise out of him 
I mean, I could, I want to read the scene that way. Like, I want to read that as oh, God, Coulson. I would love to read it that way. Yeah, I want to read it as him trying to take control of the situation in whatever way he can. And I mean, right. they, they've pretty much made it clear he's in communications. He's a talker. That's what he does. Like, I'd yeah. love to see mm-hmm. Coulson do more of that, like read the room. But we don't get a textual acknowledgement no. that that's what he's doing. It sounds like this is what they're rubber stamping. And worse, in addition to not getting kind of textual acknowledgement of mm-hmm. that if we look at the way colson has been the rest of this pod at least yeah yeah it's really ratifying some rough stuff because because of this whole like this whole barely justified coup by you know un- yeah. out from under mace and all this it's just yeah it yeah i mean it's hard to i want to read that scene in the way i think they wrote it but with the rest of what they're doing with colson makes it very difficult to do that I didn't feel like I didn't get any clarity on that scene that he was doing a thing as opposed to this was just some kind of swaggery. I really don't give a shit about you. You're nothing but a fly on the windshield to me. Right. Which Colson's Colson's complicated. But here we have May, of course, who we've seen suffer so much Mm -hmm. because of that child that she killed in Bahrain. Right. She has so much regret over that. Meanwhile, then we have Colson who, you know, has destroyed and killed all these people. And I understand, like, if you've got a job to do, that's the job you were sent to do. But the fact that he doesn't feel bad about it at all, that this doesn't twinge any kind of sense of responsibility or guilt or shame in him, especially, you know, because we had that whole thing where he was like, well, what would have happened if I had never joined shield right you know yeah um what what might my life have been like if i had never joined shield i want to see him like i don't mind that that's what he did i don't mind that he's fighting this guy i don't even mind if he says it in the service of saving lives in that moment like okay but i want to see him suffering from those choices and the weight of those choices and we don't see that from him at all and i find it really disturbing or alternately because again if you're trying to Mm -hmm. kind of maintain a tone in the show or whatever spend a Mm -hmm. minute with him struggling with it and deciding that it's all fine right like i mean even that's a choice Uh, like but but it's yeah it's acknowledging the problem and then moving forward you know in one of these two or you know there's lots of ways it could go but well especially from the guy who what was it uh i don't know five ten minutes ago was doing a whole thing on how revenge is bad and he should never have killed yeah. ward well and right? even so, going so further so back he, than that yeah. he's literally the heart of the avengers like the right. whole thing is that this dude is like not a superhero mm-hmm. but still a hero and sacrifices himself right. to get a thing done and then fury who again not a strong moral compass twists that around to manipulate right. the avengers like that whole mm-hmm. thing it just starts to get i don't know again i also really enjoy much like the most of lmd i really enjoy whatever's yeah. going on in front of my face while it's happening right but as soon yeah. as i am given a moment to think about it i'm like i just yeah. don't know how i feel about this it, it feels like it's slipping gears yeah you know like mm-hmm. it, none yeah. of this is like just super shoddy craftsmanship but every time it's like we grind mm-hmm. we grind that gear and to get it where we want it to go yeah yeah. And speaking of grinding gears, uh, May and Coulson uh, completely retconned, right? Because up until this moment, what we had were two people who worked together, who had a great friendship, right? Great respect for each other. There was 
no sense of like a real strong like sexual romantic vibe with them we do this I don't know how to describe it as any way other than uh, unbelievably painful uh, backstory episode about what had happened in Russia and the two of them flirting with each other and saying, you know, yeah, maybe we're going to have to like, you know, make this happen. So they go back and they like insert this into the backstory of these two characters as though it is impossible for a man and a woman who are about the same age, you know, right. to not fall in love with each other, to not have sex, just have a friendship relationship. Like that can happen. They could just be really, really close friends. Mm-hmm. But we're doing this whole romantic thing with them, which we're really kind of shoehorning in here and the fourth season with no buildup. Really? I mean, I don't know. I didn't really see it. No. I mean, in fact, it's literally the opposite. Like, we have literally been led to believe the opposite, that they are peers and co-workers, colleagues. And close. Loved each other. I mean, very close. But yes, dearly loved each other, but not in this way. Yeah. And and here's another thing I'll point out. Mm -hmm. If they had, instead of taking all of that real estate to backfill actual feelings between May and Colson... Mm -hmm. Instead, if they had used that time and space to have mm-hmm. LMD May decide right. that this is how she was going to break away from right. the real from May. May. Right. And then Colson be a little confused, but then decide he's into it. And because and, then we've got stuff. That could have been so much more interesting. And then you would have had an interesting discussion about like, you know, what the LMD, how much of, of a new person is the LMD? Or are they really acting on something that was yeah. actually in May all right. along? Like having that, having them both realize it right now wouldn't have been too terrible. Wedging that into the backstory. And oh, my God, the pain, the pain pain of that where she's teasing about taking off her bra and they're doing this like painful flirting oh god it was just awful so i hated that whole thing um and i mean with that said like you know i'm always all about like i love the romantic stories you know i always love that no ship has sailed that lonnie wasn't at the helm of yes i am on the ships like i love it i just i i I don't even mind may and colson being a thing i hate the way that they did it i hate the way that they wedged it into the backstory that the the those um flashback uh scenes were so fucking painful very rough those were so bad and and what's more they want those scenes to also justify anton's quest Mm -hmm. for revenge but he's not even there like i mean it's just his squad that colson happened to kill and again uh, i i feel like i need to keep reiterating I enjoy Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now, friends. Well, so do I. And, no, I and love watching it. Yeah. these episodes was fun while I was doing it. But literally, as soon as I started putting the pieces together for this more in-depth mm-hmm. conversation, I was like, man, yeah. I don't know that I like very much of the, I, I guess, it's hard to call it big picture. I guess middling picture stuff that they yeah. were doing. I just don't yeah. like most yeah. of it. And But there are ways that it could have been good. Right. The moment to moment stuff I thought was good. I actually really liked the Agnes turn in this. This this idea that there was this woman that he based Ada off of. So of course then again, once again, you have this identity yeah, issue. Yeah. Although I really wanted I really wanted Ada to have Agnes's accent. Like Agnes Why is doesn't Australian. She? Right? I mean Radcliffe I don't know. made her 
to to resemble possibly because they didn't know like Mallory Jansen who plays Ada is Australian okay. so possibly they when they started with her were having her be your standard you know um, artificial intelligence you know generic American accent mm-hmm, voice mm-hmm. right um, and then at this point they may have said oh well let's you know let's give Mallory because Mallory's fucking killing it as Ada right. let's just say that right um, so let's give her a little something more to do and so they created Agnes is my guess is what they did that they just didn't have this plan at the beginning um, that said I love Agnes um, I love the moral question that she has when he says I can make you immortal I can you yeah. know like you don't have to die so put that um, that choice in front of her you know and then to have her take it um, I love and I loved the character of Agnes um, yes I yeah. loved all of it. I thought that it was so beautifully written and so interesting and so nicely done. Uh, the only thing that I really don't buy is like, yeah, she would let him, you know, save her. But she's, you know, she's over Radcliffe at this point. Right. Like, I think, you know, so. Um, so I don't know. It just it feels um, it's such an interesting side story it's such an interesting kind of origin story for ada um and and i I really loved the way that they wrote that character and the way that they did that reveal that was pretty cool oh the finding her and her shutting them down Mm -hmm. but them having to convince her and then she goes in and then he says just the right thing and she's like uh ethics i'm sorry fuck you shield no she's gonna die right right she is gonna die and she's been facing her own death every day and then to have radcliffe say i can save you um yeah i'd like who could possibly blame her i love that complicated moral question yes i loved that i thought it was great yeah i mean yeah that's the trick they had a decision to make when they were writing this pod and the question Mm -hmm. was are we gonna have a lot of fun or are we going to actually mm-hmm. do some stuff with these ideas and these characters? And they right. decided to have fun, which is fine and a completely reasonable choice. It's one of the two options, mm-hmm. at least. And they chose it. And I right. had fun mm-hmm. watching it. Yeah. But it does feel like there was just a lot of meat on this bone that's just left there that could have been right. could have been honestly mind-blowing. Like, I could have been eating my words about how breezy mm-hmm. and not careful Agents is with its own characters and continuity. Like, I do think that's yeah. a thing. They're just, you yeah. know, um, mm-hmm. that's why they were like, we don't really care if Ward and Daisy aren't characters for like two entire exactly. seasons. Yeah. I mean, stuff like that. And and watching mm-hmm. Coulson, it just feels very breezy, like they're not thinking hard about yeah. it. And that's an approach. That's fine. Right. But here mm-hmm. we are looking at this going, oh, guys, like there was some stuff here There's that could have so been amazing. Yes. Yeah. Well, the LMD May, the LMD May choice to let Daisy and Simmons through yes! to get them out of there, to blow up the base with her and LMD Coulson there. When she makes that choice and she says, There's enough of May in me. Yeah. You know, that I'm going to do this thing. Um, Fucking loved that. I thought that was so great. And yet we're not exploring what that what that free will means. Is that what what is it that makes you a person? Yeah. Memories, experiences, free will. What is it? Like, ask those questions. They lay it all out there. There is so much here to play with that they don't work with. And I find it. 
kind of, I mean, I get it. Like, I get that they're, they're having a good time. You know, they're here to party. That's what they're here to do. They're going to do some fun stuff. But all of this, this is everything. This particular pod is everything, has everything in it that sci-fi is born to do. And yet doesn't do it. And I find that a little frustrating. One thing that I often find myself kind of having to temper my own critique Mm -hmm. of stuff is that I need to stop being upset about things that aren't what I thought they were going to be or what I think they should be. Right. right? And Mm -hmm. so that's why I have to keep reiterating. I had a good time. I enjoyed this very much. Right. You've been Mm -hmm. back to this well a dozen times. I love it. I love season four. It may be my favorite season of Agents of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm feeling it um, because Ghost Rider was a lot of fun. Legit and I'm a little mm-hmm. ways. I'm not done at this at the point of this recording. I haven't finished Agents yeah. of Hydra, but I'm I'm enjoying myself quite a lot. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. again, in the moment, I enjoyed this. But I feel like there's some real stuff, like real family stuff yeah. and questions about mm-hmm. a wider world going on in Ghost Rider. And then there yeah. are some real questions about, like, who are the good guys and what does it mean to be? Be yeah. the good guys in Agents of Hydra. Yeah. And in here, just a lot of the opportunity was missed. And I think we've established yeah. that uh, mm-hmm. for you, but even more so for me, is that missed opportunity upsets me more than completely dropped balls. You know, like something that's just right. garbage. I right. can go, well, that was garbage. Yeah. Nobody had a good day and we can move on. But when it's pretty right. good, but there's all these it's real good. possibilities yeah. that are just passed by, that's really hard for me. Yeah, because they're presented. It's not like they didn't do the work of yes. presenting. They built they built the whole thing and then just didn't finish the last, you know, five, ten percent. And that's the thing that drives me crazy is they built this really wonderful structure around these crunchy interesting ideas and then didn't really do anything with them and and that's astounding like why go through the trouble of building it if you're not going to do anything with it yeah it makes me wonder about how the production of this season went like when they were writing things mm-hmm. and and I mean this is this is just me you know being a writer myself but never having had the pleasure yeah. of working on TV and just curious how this stuff mm-hmm. works yeah, because it just feels like these are good creatives. They it's know so what good. they're doing. Oh, and yeah. And so it feels really, it's weird for me to say out of character, out of character for the people above the line to kind of miss these yes. amazing opportunities. Yeah. No, it really, really does. It really does. But it's uh, but it's a bit, yeah, it's just, it's just a bit frustrating because it's all right there. It's not like here's something they could have done that they didn't do. It's here's something that they could have done that they did. Until it became really interesting and then they stopped doing it. Or, or they <laughs> made know? a legitimately yeah. less interesting choice, like shoehorning yeah, yeah. a romantic mm-hmm. backstory into May and Colson when LMD right. May making a choice for herself yes, and Colson being been confused. So much more interesting. We get to have two different conversations on the other side of this where yes. Colson has to deal with the yes. fact that the May he mm-hmm. was falling in love with is now dead and was a robot. Right. And and right. now he has to keep working with real May. And how how much of that is the original that. May? And he has to wonder. Right. And now she has to wonder. Like, there's 
man yes no i love that yeah. i love that. i think that would be so much more interesting plus it would give us back that real estate spent on that terrible backstory <laughs> to like do something else more interesting with with the the interesting like questions that we've got going on here um one of the things that i thought was kind of interesting we've got the the culmination of the vj and ellen nadir right, story right. right where she she kills vj they drop him into the ocean we see in in a coda right. right um where he's a attached to this uh you know weight and then at the bottom of the ocean he crusts over with the with the husk Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. and i will tell you i mean not to spoil anything but as of the last season of uh agents of shield that i saw which was season six uh nothing happened with that like we crusted him over for no real reason okay i mean i'm gonna tell (laughs) you i'm not mad about that I understand right. leaving yourselves things to come back to and then just not having the opportunity to come back to them. And then deciding not to come back That's to That's yeah. one mm-hmm. of my favorite things that happens with serialized fiction. And, and as yes. much as I bitch about the fact that nobody mm-hmm. can leave anything the fuck alone in superhero comics yeah that's also uh-huh. where a lot of interesting stuff comes from when somebody goes wait they never right. did anything with that and 10 years ago when i was just a reader i had an idea right. and then they do it in the canon like yeah. that stuff's really great i like that stuff mm-hmm. so i'm not mad about it but i am admittedly a little disappointed because again i've seen just a little bit into agents of hydra so i know that the actor mm-hmm. at least is around a little bit and it's yes. too mm-hmm. bad that he doesn't pay off as the actual that we couldn't do anything version of with himself. Him. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, as of this point, like as of everything that I've seen so far, who knows? There's still a little bit more of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. left that they I haven't seen They could shock yet, us, but, but at yeah. the same time, I'm hearing a little yeah, bit about what that know. last season is about, and I wouldn't lay I my money kind of on it. I highly yeah. doubt that VJ is going to show up. Um, I love Mac and Yo-Yo, that fist bump after he beheads Ada. Yes. <laughs> That is like one of my favorite things. The Mac and Yo-Yo romance, I'm actually really enjoying. Um, I like her a lot. I like him a lot. I like the very organic problems that they have, yes. right? That's yes. really good. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think it's really, really nice. So I like all of that. Um, and we get a little bit of Fitz's daddy issues. Again, this is something where we're, we're building up to something right. um, that we're, we're laying, we're laying track for at the last possible minute right here. Um, <laughs> True. But it's, but it's interesting. Like when we, when we think about how deeply all of these betrayals affect him, you know, and how he feels about all of that. Um, I think that like now we're getting a sense of why he is so deeply, deeply affected affected by that that it's triggering a lot of his daddy issues um, which i think is a a really interesting um, place to go with him to give him a little bit of that background and let's say for long listeners who know that we hate daddy issues (laughs) but if you have to do it i'm kind of okay with this because we saw the outcome of it so many times in the lead up to the reveal to the point where Mm -hmm. i'm like okay technically daddy issues and I don't love it. Right. But at the same time, you've delivered it to me in such a way that I'm like, no, okay, move on, continue. I will allow this one. Mm-hmm. You may pass. Right. Yeah. And the reason for this, too, is that usually daddy issues are used to give some kind of very tough male some vulnerability that we will allow. We allow right. men to have vulnerability in one of two ways. Either they have daddy issues or the woman that they love is either in danger or doesn't love them back or blah, blah, blah. Those are the ways in which we can keep men vulnerable or we can allow men vulnerability while keeping their masculinity, quote unquote, I say that intact. Right. 
Um, Fitz's masculinity has never been in question at all, but Fitz is not of the traditional kind of masculine character. He cries. He has emotions. He feels things very deeply. He thinks very deeply. He's not a shoot first, punch first, make people bloody first, ask questions later kind of guy. Um, He's very cerebral. He's very thoughtful. These are all things that are absolutely part of a masculine identity. In no way is Fitz any less masculine than any of the other guys on this show. Um, But we tend in our stories to only allow men to have vulnerability in those areas. Now, Fitz has Fitz is walking vulnerability right. in every way. From the day he stepped on the Zephyr wearing a cardigan, he has been walking <laughs> vulnerability, right? Um, so the fact that they brought a daddy issue in for Fitz doesn't bother me because it's not like this is the only vulnerability a man may have. Yeah. It must come yeah. because of another man, you know, or it's not masculine. <laughs> enough um we're not having issues of of variety and masculine representation on this show um so because of that and because of the way the fits has been um written because of the way that his uh his reaction his deep deep reaction to these betrayals which we saw um earlier in this season when he was uh having a problem with daisy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um you know he had a real issue with daisy in which you know yeah you could look at it and be like he's overreacting but that's the thing when we overreact it's usually a result of trauma so here we are actually addressing and seeding the trauma that Fitz has that causes him to react in that way um, so I actually I I think it's good I'll, I'll give it a pass yeah absolutely no this is the this is the right way to do it like this is the horse mm-hmm. actually pulling that cart instead of the cart pushing yeah. the horse where it's like oh crap mm-hmm. we actually need this person to uh, to have some emotions but he's a dude so what are we going to yeah, do? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's got to be daddy issues or, you know, whatever. He's in love with a hot chick. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the thing is that just we allow our men in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to have vulnerability that extends beyond these two spaces. So when we go into one of those spaces, it doesn't really bother me quite as much. All right. So I think we're pretty much done uh, talking about the LMD uh, section of season four of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, you know, even with my problems with it, I still enjoyed still a great deal it's very fun. and had a great time. Um, all right. So, Joshua, what's your favorite part of this arc? My favorite part is the very, very end where we've got a mm-hmm. lot of uh, where we have Daisy and Gemma trying to figure out mm-hmm. or Jim first it's Jim and Fitz and then it's Gemma and Daisy and there's just all this figuring out of who's who and it's it's legitimately super tense. Yeah. So yeah, I absolutely love every single bit of that from from the the just shock and horror as Gemma and Fitz realize that one of them's a robot and then they have a minute yeah. where they're like, oh mm-hmm. shit, what if we're both robots? And then she's mm-hmm. got to kill robot Fitz and then there's Daisy and is she a robot? And then she finds a whole like room full of daisies and I'm just like, oh my God, yeah, this is it. This was the LMD madness that I'd been waiting for. Delicious. Right. Delicious. It was it was wonderful. Um, for me, I got to say, I just I love that moment with uh, Daisy and Gemma where Daisy quakes her and then they hug and they're both so terrified. And then they're just fucking bad ass getting everything done, you know, in the middle of all of that. I love that relationship. I love the two of them together. It will always be hashtag bad girl shenanigans <laughs> for me, even when it's terrifying. Um, it's just it's so wonderful. And I absolutely love 
love that part, like that relationship, that part, them running out and saving the day. It's just it's all fantastic. I'm with you. I I mean, I've struggled Mm -hmm. to like some of the characters on this show and Mm -hmm. But mm-hmm. I think I can be 100% on board for that relationship. Uh, the, the, even when Sky was Sky and barely a character, mm-hmm. when she was with Gemma, right. it was better, you know? And mm-hmm. yeah, I really like that stuff too. It's great. All right. If you enjoyed this conversation, would like to join in, come find us on Twitter. I am at Lonnie Diane Rich and Joshua is at Joshua Unruh. And the hashtag is Listen Up A-Holes. This episode of Listen Up A-Holes was brought to you by the Chipperish and Pulp Diction producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Listen Up A-Holes is coming to you free and ad free right now. So thank you to our July producers, Abigail, Alice, April, Erica, Rose, Jonathan, also Jonathan, Kristen, Sarah, <laughs> and Shelley. Thank you, producers, and to everyone who supports Chipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions, this message is for you. So, May's a freaking robot. To find out how you too can support Chipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions, our Patreon links are in the show notes. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or be programmed through little screens, big screens, little morphine drips of sequels and prequels and zombies and Kanye's, Snapchats and Grumpy Cats, all designed by the media, corporate shield machine, and you're asleep binge-watching the apocalypse. Two fucking real agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. (laughs) Chill the fuck out, you guys. Anyway, thanks for joining us for this episode of Listen Up, A-Holes. We'll be back next time with our discussion of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4, Episodes 9 through 15. More shit that's a little too real right now. Agents of Hydra. (laughs) Until then, I always knew robots were going to try and kill me one day. Really? We grew up different.